The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Good morning, church family. For those of you who have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter number 17 for our text reading in just a moment. 1 Kings chapter number 17. Um, Last week, we began a brand new sermon series that will take us through the rest of the winter here, the next couple of months, on the subject of taking inventory. Uh, In this particular series, we've been looking at how an individual's worldview, that is, their collection of beliefs and mindsets and attitudes, how their worldview has massive, massive implications on their everyday behavior. And we're going to continue our sermon series about that biblical Christian worldview uh, as we speak about this subject of economies, all right? Now, that might seem like a strange subject to talk about in church, but what we're going to find out today is that not all economies in the world are created equal. You say, what does that have to do with our scripture text today? Uh, We'll unpack that a little bit more in just a moment. But I want you to think about the global economies for just a moment. Uh, Most of us, if we've spent any time watching the news or reading a newspaper, we understand that across the globe there are many different economies that exist. Uh, There are first world economies, much like we have here in the United States. And the way you get into that economy, the way you engage in that economy, is very, very different than if we were to go to a third world economy. Uh, The two are not apples for apples. They're very different. For example, um, some of you have traveled the globe and maybe you've stepped into one of these third world economies. Uh, In a third world economy, you might spend your entire day working and putting in a lot of energy, a lot of effort, and when it's all said and done, you might get compensated very little value or very little in the way of monetary reimbursement within a third world economy. Uh, You can go to a first world economy and you can work the same amount of hours, you can give the same amount of energy, and you could be compensated a whole lot more in the way of monetary value. Why? Because not all economies are created equal. Uh, Some of you have maybe been to an economy, you've been to a country where their economy fluctuates all the time, and and one day the the currency is worth a lot, and then two years later the currency is worth not as much, and why? Because the economies fluctuate. Um, For those of you who have maybe been to a third world economy, maybe you've gone and uh, you went shopping, maybe you went to another country, and what would have cost you in a first world economy, maybe like, you know, 20 or 30 dollars, In a third world economy, you might be able to get for three or four dollars. Why? Because not all economies are created equal. That is, you can give the same amount of energy, the same amount of effort, but you won't receive and you won't experience the same things. Uh, I remember on one occasion, I was uh, uh, in another country, and uh, in our country, if you want to buy, like, say, a steak dinner, uh, that could cost you anywhere from 20 to $50, depending on where it is that you go to get that steak dinner. You go to a third world economy, and in some places you could get that exact same meal, and you might only pay $5 for it. Why is that? Because not all economies are created equal. Uh, there's a difference between a socialistic economy and a capitalistic economy. Uh, There's a difference between a communistic economy and maybe a socialistic economy. Not all economies are created equal. And with that thought in mind, I want to throw this out today, that God's economy is not the same 
as the global economies. It doesn't work the same. Just like a capitalistic economy is going to work different than a socialistic economy, God's economy works very different than the global economies of this world. And that's a little bit of what we're going to unpack this morning. Our theme for this morning's Bible study is simply this. Living in God's economy is far better than living in one of the global economies. Living in God's economy is far better than living in one of the global economies, whether we are talking about a first world economy here like in the United States, or whether we're talking about a third world economy, I'm going to say this, God's economy trumps all of those other economies. So today in this Bible passage, we're going to discover a woman who moved from living in one of these world's economies, one of these global economies in her day and age, and we're going to see how she transcended that global economy and entered into God's economy. So if you're visiting with us today, we're so honored to have you as our guest and uh, inside uh, the guide that you received on your way in. There's a little connection card that you can use to fill out. We'd love to have a record of your attendance as well as an opportunity to send you some more information about the church and let you know about some upcoming events and some of the ministries that we have available. Uh, But for our members and regular attenders, I hope you'll pull out your service program guide. I hope you'll open up that Bible study and uh, let's just kind of march through this subject of living on God's economy, living on God's economy. For those of you who are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we read from our text today, 1 Kings chapter number 17. We're going to begin in verse number 8, and we'll read down through verse number 16. The scriptures say in 1 Kings chapter number 17, verse 8, and the word of the Lord came unto him. Now, the him in this particular passage is a prophet by the name of Elijah. Uh, Some of you who have been to church for many years, you know Elijah as the prophet who called down fire from heaven, all right? And so this is a a prominent figure in the Old Testament, and Elijah now is getting a word from the Lord, all right? Before the scriptures were given, the Spirit of God would speak directly through these prophets, and the Bible says, the word of the Lord came unto Elijah saying, what did the word of the Lord say? It said to Elijah, arise. Get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon. He's giving him directions on where to go. And he says, and dwell there. The Lord says, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Verse 10. So Elijah arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, there was a widow woman gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And she was going to fetch it. He called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it, notice this, and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. 
And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. This morning, we're going to look at two aspects of what it means to live in God's economy. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into our study this morning. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity that we have as a church family, both in our 930 service, as well as here in our 11 o'clock service, to really take inventory of our soul, to allow the Spirit of God to reveal what our motivations are when it comes to living in the world in which we've been given to open up to us and to show us what our, what our values really are. And I pray as we take inventory that your word and your principles and your promises would illuminate themselves to our hearts so that we could have a, a broader perspective of what it means to enter into your economy, to literally transcend the global economies that exist around us and enter into your economy of promise your economy of biblical principle, and I pray that you would use your word to draw us into that place. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. Let me give you some brief context on this particular passage. We see in verses number eight and verses number nine, this prophet Elijah got a word from the Lord. Now, this is very, very important to note because this was not just Elijah flippantly saying, oh, this is what I want to do, and this is what I want to say, and this is where I want to go. Everything that we're going to see in this passage comes directly from God. It's something that God leads him to do, and God leads him to say, and you're going to see that phrase, a word from the Lord, several times in this passage. So this is not just kind of some arbitrary story that we find in the Old Testament. This is all from God's word being given. So God comes to Elijah speaking to him as a prophet and says, I want you to get up from where you're at and I want you to go to this other land. Now what's interesting is in this land they're experiencing famine. There's a drought going on. There's very little food. And this, in this particular city, we're going to find a widow woman. Now, in this day and age, in the day and age in which we read from this passage, to be a widow almost was like having a death sentence put upon you. It was a very patriarchal society, and for a widow woman to not be married or to have her husband die literally meant they had very little, if any, source of income. And that's exactly what's happening here. Not only is this community going through drought, not only are they experiencing famine, but here is a widow woman who has nothing to her name. In fact, God says to her, he commands her that she should take the little that she has and give it to this prophet Elijah. Now, what makes that so absurd from our perspective is that she literally has one last meal left. Uh, the scriptures say in this passage she has just a, a little bit of flour, and the Bible says that she was out gathering some sticks so she could make a little fire, so she could cook a little bit of a cake, pour a little of the oil on it. The Bible says when she was done, they were going to eat their last meal, their final meal, and the Bible says her plan was to go and die. Elijah comes along, and he speaks to her the word of the Lord and says, I want you to do what you're going to say, but first, this is key, before you make yourself your last meal, I want you to do this. This comes from the Lord. Here's what I want you to do first. I want you to cook me a cake. I want you to feed me the last meal that you have available. 
and then go and do what you were planning to do. Well, this is very interesting in this passage because here, this last meal, she was going to eat it, she was going to die. And now in this passage, in a vague way, we begin to see God's Word calling this woman to live outside of a global economy. You see, a global economy tells you, hey, what you have, you've got to hold tight onto. You've got to take what you've got and make sure you milk it for all it's worth. And in this passage, we're going to see the Lord calling this woman to transcend this global economy and the way that these economies work and the way life works in the physical realm and to transcend that and follow the word and spirit of the Lord. So let's dive into our Bible study this evening, this morning. Notice verse 9. It says, Arise, go there to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold... I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So the Lord says, hey, Elijah, go to the city. Why? I've already told this woman to take care of you. Notice verse number 10. So he arose, went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and Elijah called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Now, She's going to follow through with what the word of the Lord says, but in order for her to do this, this woman eventually is going to be able to be part of a miracle, but first she had to come to a place where she simply trusted what God's word has to say, which leads us to our first thought this morning that I want us to think about, and that is this. We enter into God's economy by faith. We enter into God's economy by faith. Now, if you and I wanted to move from a third world or first world economy and we wanted to go to a uh, first or third world, if we wanted to move economies, what it would involve, we've got to get a passport. In some cases, we'd need to get a visa. Uh, we'd want to get an airplane ticket so we could fly to another economy. That is how we as human individuals would enter into another economy. But when it comes to God's economy, when it comes to entering into his economy, we have to do much like this widow woman does, and we have to enter into it by faith. That is, we enter into God's economy not by buying an airline ticket, not by getting our passport, but by simply taking God at his word. By faith saying, do I believe it or do I not? Do I take his principles and his promises and do I align my life with what God's word says or do I align my life with what makes logical sense, what uh, the global economies are doing or do we align with God's principles? And we see this first thought this morning is we enter into God's economy by faith. Uh, Proverbs chapter number three verse five says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. This next part is interesting and lean not to thine own understanding. When God calls us to transcend a global economy, when he calls us to transcend what makes sense in the physical realm, it always is going to take a step of faith. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. In all these different areas, God is calling us to trust him. You see, we never are going to get to a place where we move into what God has to say to do until first we believe what God says. Do we trust his promises? Do we believe his principles? Do we cling to his word? The passage goes on to say, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. What's interesting about uh, Proverbs chapter number three is a few verses later, it's going to speak about the financial realm. How do we live out trusting in the Lord 
when it comes to our finances? How do we follow trusting the Lord when it comes to our money? How do we do that? And so we see even here in Proverbs chapter number three that this passage is given and part of the context of this passage of trusting God is trusting Him with our finances. Um, I've been told that uh, an African impala, maybe some of you have seen these on National Geographic, I've been told that a natural, uh, an African impala can jump uh, about 10 feet high and about 30 feet in length. And so they're very agile uh, animals. And of course, probably most of the times when you've seen them, they've been chased by a cheetah or a lion of some sorts. And they're agile. They have a huge ability to be able to jump and leap. But I'm told that you can put one of these impalas in a zoo and you can surround it by a three to four foot fence, and these impalas will not jump over the fence. I'm told that the reason for this is because an African impala will never jump. It'll never take a leap to a place that it cannot see where it's going to land. And so because it will not leap to a place where it cannot see it can land, a three to four foot wall, as long as it'll keep them from seeing where they want to land, We'll never take that leap. And I wonder how many times we as believers find ourselves in similar situations. We know that by God's grace, it's possible to follow his leading into something, but because we cannot see where we're going to land, because we can't figure out how it's all going to work out, because we can't in our own mind logically get to a place where we know, okay, this is this and this is going to happen, we end up leaning to our own understanding and we don't ever take that leap of faith. One theologian said it this way, steps of faith lead to miraculous destinations. I feel sad for people who never really get to experience the miraculous. They never get to experience what it means to live in God's economy because all of their decisions are made, not by faith, but they're made by leaning to their own understanding. And so in the financial realm, they do whatever they can figure out on paper, whatever makes sense on a spreadsheet, and whatever's, you know, going out on a button, and, and that controls how they interact with their finances, rather than allowing God's Word, God's principles, and God's promises to lead and to guide them with how they interact in the physical uh, world in which we live. So we enter into God's economy by faith. Now, this kind of faith that we see demonstrated in Kings chapter number 17 is a faith that flows out of a soul that has confidence in God. One of the reasons why our hearts do not well up with faith is because while we want to talk with our lips about how we trust the Lord and we want to declare with our words how much confidence we have in God, the reality is our soul is not anchored to the reality that truly believes that God is truly all-powerful. That's not been stirred up in our soul and in our lives. And so while we talk about faith and we declare with our lips how we have trust, the reality is we don't get to experience the miraculous and God's kind of uh, economy that he has available. Why? Because we continually lean to our own understanding rather than simply just taking God at his word. So we enter into God's economy. It starts with faith. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. But let's keep reading. Notice verse 15. The Bible says she, this widow woman, went 
and did according to the saying of Elijah. Which brings us here to our second thought. This woman was able to be a part of a miracle because she came to a place where she took God at his word and simply obeyed. It's one thing, as we said a moment ago, to declare with our lips, oh, I believe God's promises. Oh, yeah, I trust that what God says is true. It's, it's one thing to talk the talk. It's one thing to say, this is what I believe. But the reality is in this passage, we see a woman who didn't just talk a talk. She did not just have confidence in an ethereal, subjective, abstract way. No, eventually she came to a place where those principles and those promises drew her to act to behave, to live in alignment with what God's Word declared. Notice what it says. It says she went and did. So, this leads us to our second thought this morning. Number one, while we enter into God's economy by faith, this is where it begins, a heart of confidence in the power, the principles, and the provision of God. That's, that's where this starts. It starts with a heart of confidence. It doesn't end there we see we engage in God's economy. We engage in God's economy through obedience. We engage in God's economy through obedience. Now, if I wanted to engage in another global economy, then I would have to take my currency and I would have to exchange it into whatever that nation's currency is. And the times where I've had opportunities to travel overseas, I couldn't necessarily always take American currency and use it in these other countries. I had to, I had to take that currency and I had to exchange it for their currency. That was the way I would enter into that currency. This is not how you do it in God's economy. In God's economy, if you want to engage in it, if you, want to, if you want to live in God's economy, the way we live in it is through obedience. We enter into it, not with a passport, not with a ticket, we enter into it by faith, with a confidence of God's principles and God's provision and God's promises. But we engage in it by obedience to Him. See, God's Word, as we're going to study over the next several weeks, it, it speaks in regards to debt management. God's Word speaks about savings. It speaks about how to earn and how not to earn. It talks about spending and investing. There's so much that God's Word says in regards to finances. God's Word says so much in regards to, to money. And the reality is we don't engage in God's economy unless we align our behaviors and our actions with what God's Word says in that realm. Jeremiah chapter number 38 says this, Obey the voice of the Lord, and so it shall be well with thee. There is an element of God in His sovereignty and God in His love. God coming and saying, I've got wisdom for you. I created you, I created the world in which we live, and I want to share with you divine wisdom on how to align your life with God's economy, an economy that literally has the ability to transcend some of the uh, expressions and some of the boundaries of what it means to even live in a global economy. Obey the voice of the Lord. I think they'll throw this on the screen, but faith is not just believing in spite of evidence, because that's where a lot of us think. Faith is, okay, it's something that happens here in my head, and faith is believing, even though I don't have all the evidence, and it doesn't totally always make sense. Faith, but that's not all that faith is. Faith is not just believing in spite of evidence. Can I say this? Faith is obeying in spite of the consequences. 
Faith is saying, God, I believe what you have to say, even though in the physical realm, in the global economies, it looks like this decision will have some huge consequences. Faith is not just believing in spite of evidence, it's obeying in spite of consequence. Can I ask you this question? In what ways have you stepped out by faith to obey God's principles even when it looked like from a physical realm, the material realm, there was going to be some hard, difficult consequences to those decisions? That's the essence of what it means to truly live by faith. Many years ago, um, I used to sing this song, go to church, and there was a song that was sung. Maybe some of you have been in church in a while. You've heard this song. It was a song called Trust and Obey. How many of you ever heard this song? All right, go something like this. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Well, phrase, you know what? There's, there's, sometimes there's a reason why we are not happy in Jesus. Sometimes the reason we lack hope in the midst of difficult situations, the reason we lack peace when trials overcome our lives, when we lack joy when people are being difficult, one of the reasons why we are not happy in Christ, in His Spirit, is because there is no real trust. And where we say there's trust, there's not always obedience to align with what he's having to say. So we enter into this economy, this, this God's economy, a, an economy that transcends the global economies and all the constraints that a global economy has. We enter into God's economy. We transcend the global economy. How? By faith. We believe what God's word has to say. But then once we transcend it, we engage in God's economy. How do we engage in it? Do we exchange the currency? No, we engage in it through obedience, through obedience. As I thought about the woman in this passage, I was reminded of an illustration of another single mom with a son that I knew personally. It was about probably 10 years ago or so. We used to have a, a little van route, and, and some of the folks, I think Maria and some others, would go pick up kids in kind of surrounding neighborhoods, and they'd get allow the kids to get in their car, and they would drive them over to church, and, and the kids would kind of jump into our Sunday school, and whatever the case may be, and one little boy started coming, and after a few weeks, uh, his mom started coming as well, and uh, together they would drive up in their car, and I, I remember during this season, I, I went over to her house, I got to meet her a little bit, and they lived in a little apartment down by Clinton, and if you know anything about the city of Fresno, uh, that area where the uh, church was. It wasn't the most uh, elaborate, you know, um, expensive area in the city of Fresno. She had a little apartment that she lived in there down on Clinton Boulevard. I still remember uh, the 12-year-old green Ford Taurus that she used to drive to church. And uh, she, on a regular basis, her and her son would come to church, and they sit there and just soak in the Word of God, and they were growing through just uh, the Word of God and people kind of gathering around them. And, and for during that time, we, we started as a church to continue to be able to grow and we had that little chapel on Clinton Boulevard and we went from one service and then eventually we ran out of space. We had to go to two services in that little chapel and then we did an overflow room for a while just trying to fit the folks that God was bringing here uh, to the church and, and every once in a 
while, I would talk about, you know, man, if by God's grace, it would be a wonderful thing if he'd open up the doors for us to be able to get into a facility that was just allowing us to minister to more people here in Northwest Fresno. And every once in a while, I would throw those things out. And during that time, in my own spirit, in my own heart, I was asking the Lord, Lord, if, if this is something that you want, then I just pray that you would really show us how to step out by faith and as a church family, kind of get to a place where we can minister to additional people in our community. I remember on one occasion where this uh, woman came to me and she communicated that uh, she was going to be moving. She had an opportunity for a, a job down in Southern California and, and she and her son were going to be moving down that direction. And she said, but before I do, do she said, I, 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 wanna, I just want to give a little offering. You talk a lot about, you know, trying to get into a new facility. This church has been such a huge encouragement and a help to me. And I, I just, I, I want to give an offering to help, you know, with your ability to move forward as a church family in the days ahead. And, you know, of course, I, I knew where this woman lived. I, I saw the car she drove and the kind of clothes that she wore. And in the back of my head, I was just thinking, oh, that's such a blessing. You know, I was, in, I was like, praise the Lord and thank you so much for, for your spirit in that way. And, and honestly, just be transparent with you, I don't really think much about it. <laughs> you know, she said it and uh, a few days went by and, and I got a, a call from our contribution coordinator at the time. And uh, they said to me, hey, Pastor, I, I just thought you might want to know. She sa he, said to, uh, he said to me, you know, um, someone gave an offering and uh, they, uh, they wanted it to go towards some future expansion here at the church. And I was like, oh, you know, praise the Lord. And I come, my mind kind of connected to the conversation the lady said. And I, I said, okay, you know, anything in regards to that? He, he said, yeah. He said uh, it was an amount of $25,000. I said, what? $25,000? I was like, where did she get $25,000 from? And my mind was just blown. I remember it was during that season that that $25,000 literally became the seed of what would propel our church family into raising hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to move to this facility to have some more room in a more centrally located part of the community. And it all started because there was a lady who simply said, you know, I don't know that I have to do this. But the Spirit of God's leading me to do it. And by grace, I'm just going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And God really used that in our church family. Just a, just a, just a single mom with not very much to her name to help our church family come to a place that would stir up our faith to step into what God has for us next. From the best I know, I don't know everything, but from the best I know, that's the largest single gift it's ever been given to our church family. A single mom, not a very nice car, not an expensive place to live, but just with a heart that says, you know what? I don't want to be tethered down by a global economy, but by God's grace, I want to allow his spirit and I want to allow a heart of grace to allow me to live in God's economy, trusting him. So we stayed a little bit in contact through Facebook and things along those lines. Reality is, you know, as the years go by, the Lord just keep, continues to take care of her. She hasn't fallen off the edge of the earth. She hasn't gone into some crazy place where she's not able to take care of her family. She's trusted the Lord and God's provided. You see, in this passage, we studied a woman who stepped out of the global economy 
and into God's economy by following the Spirit's direction in our life. I, I want you to see this back in this passage. Notice verse 14. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Verse 15. And so she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he in her house, notice this, did eat many days. Huh. I want you to picture this. Here's this woman. She has just one cup of flour left. She has a little bit of oil left. And so that day, she was told to go and use the last of her material possessions. And rather than making a meal for her and her son, the Lord said, I want you to make a meal for my purposes and my ministry and my mission. And she did it. She poured out the last of her flour that day. She poured out the last of her oil that day. She made that cake and she delivered it to Elijah. She poured it out, but here's what's interesting. It didn't run out. And so she again took a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. She poured it out again to make a meal for her and her son so that they could eat it and die. And she poured it out, but that last day it it didn't run out. And for that week, it began to go on, and she'd pour out that flour and pour out that oil, and though she'd pour it out, it didn't run out. And for a week, and then a month, and the Bible says, until the drought ended, until the famine stopped, because she had faith in her God that created and sustained and was powerful to do miracles, she allowed the Word of God to be the driving force in how she behaved and how she acted, and she anchored her behaviors and decisions, not on what the global economy was telling her. She wasn't watching the local news to see if that day she could afford to pour out that flour and pour out that oil. She simply said, no, I I see what's happening around me. I see the famine. I see the drought, but I also hear what the word of God has to say, and I'm going to obey God rather than man, and I'm going to pour out, though it makes no logical sense in a global economy, and I'm going to experience what God does in a, uh, his economy. And so she'd pour out, but it never run out. She'd pour out and never run out. I can't tell you how many stories I've experienced personally and how many stories I've been a part of of people who say, you know what, rather than leaning to my own understanding and trying to figure it out all on paper and through a checkbook ledger and budgeting, and I'm saying there's wisdom in those things. I think it's wise. I'm not saying neglect those things, but I'm saying don't allow those things to constrain your obedience to what God has to say because God wants to take you to a place where he transcends a global economy and bring you into his economy. And there are Christians after Christians and believers after believers, and they never get to experience the miraculous. They never get to a place where they experience these type of miracles in their life. They never get to experience the power and provision of God in these types of ways because they do not demonstrate a faith that leads them to obedience, that causes them to behave in a way that doesn't make sense in a material, physical realm. These people, like the woman at Zarephath, path. She was not living and acting and behaving in a way that made sense to her neighbors and those around her. In fact, her neighbors would have called her crazy, but she was focused on something else. She was living in a different economy and got to experience the results of living in God's economy. Just like if you were to live in a first world or third world economy, your effort and your work and what you experience would be totally different, even though you're efforts would be the same. 
so it is in God's economy. When you transcend, whether it be a third world economy or first world economy, and you say, by God's grace, I'm entering into God's economy by faith, and I'm engaging it through obedience, you get to experience things that otherwise aren't experienced as you enter into God's economy. You say, why? Because, you know, God thinks these people are more special and more deserving. No, because God responds to faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. A type of faith is, that's not just with our words, a type of faith that's not just with our uh, you know, thoughts, but a type of faith that leads us to obey in ways, even when it feels like the consequences will crush us. To live in God's economy. She kept pouring out, but it didn't run out. Now, I want to give this, uh, this caveat as we end here. While this message is not exhaustive, I'll be the first one to admit it, this message didn't address all the particular details of how to live in God's economy. That's what this series is about. We're going to give some very practical ways. How do, we, how do we practically and functionally live in God's economy when it comes to debt, when it comes to spending, and when it comes to savings, and when it comes to giving in general? How do we practically and functionally live in God? We didn't address that today, but we will. We didn't address all the specific promises given to those who by faith, choose to live in God's economy. We didn't even, you know, necessarily, you know, uh, look at all the, the ways in which God's economy plays out. How does God do it? You mean if I go home and I pour out, you know, my oil, is God going to keep the, you know, oil? That I don't, God does this in different ways, in different situations, and today we did not take the opportunity to expound on all the ways God provides when one is living in his economy, because in some regards, God is limitless in his ability to provide. So while in the coming weeks we'll address some of those questions, here's what I want to remind us of today, and that is God invites us into his economy by faith through obedience, not because he wants something from us. This is big. The God of the heavens and the creator of the universe, the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hills and all the gold and silver in every mine that this world exists, the God of the universe wasn't looking down and saying, all right, I really need that widow woman's cup of flour. <laughs> I didn't need it from her. He wanted something for her. He wanted her to experience something that doesn't get to be experienced as we choose to live in the physical, global economies of those around us. He wanted something more for her. He wanted to grow her faith and confidence in God. And there are Christians who on a regular basis limit their ability to grow their faith and confidence in God. Because rather than, rather than transcending into God's economy and living in that realm, they're constantly looking to cues in the material realm and the physical realm to help them decide what they will and will not do. And I'm going to say this, we're limiting ourselves when we do that. When we step out by faith and we say, God, your wisdom is greater than my wisdom, we open ourselves up to experience what we can only experience in a global economy. It's like the person who says, you know, for whatever reason, ah, man, I, I'm not going to go to a first world economy. I'm going to do this. The reality is the experience is going to be different. And so it is with a heavenly economy. We can experience what only is experienced in that economy as we enter into it by faith and engage it 
Oh, through obedience. So I ask you this question. Whose economy are you living in? Whose economy? Whose economy are you living in? Are you living in this global economy with all the constraints and limitations that a material world brings? Or have you transcended through your beliefs, your worldviews, a faith in God's principles, God's provision, and God's promises? Enter into that economy and then engage in that economy. How? Through obedience. By just simply taking God at His word. Whose economy are you currently living in? I want to encourage you with this as we end. I want to encourage you by faith. Stepping into this economy is not going to be done through logic. It's not going to be done through figuring it all out. It's going to be done by faith. I want to encourage you by faith to step into God's economy through obedience. And that's not just in the financial realm. I want to encourage you to step into God's way of living, His worldview. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Whether we're talking about your relationships, whether we're talking about your career, whether we're talking about how you interact at work, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Why? There's faith. And then how do you engage in it? Obedience. I really believe that as we, as we allow our thinking, the way to be transformed, Romans chapter number 12, to be transformed into his way of thinking, there are experiences that we get to experience, like this widow at Zarephath can't be explained in the material realm. Why? Because we enter into God's economy by faith, step into his economy. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.